This episode of UK Low Carb Podcast is sponsored by Deliciously Guilt Free. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone and welcome to UK Low Carb. I'm really honoured to have a series with my good friend, Dr. Jenna Wynn. Hi everyone, so pleased to be here. Yeah, we're hoping to tempt you all to come along, interest you to come along to the first International Food Addiction Conference on May the 20th in Bristol as part of the the annual PHC Public Health Collaboration uh, Conference. So yeah, we're going to be doing a series on food addiction, sugar addiction. We might have that debate about what to call it and it's going to be great. Excellent. So join in each week where Jen and I will be going through different topics to do with addiction and at the end you get to ask your questions in a live Q&A as well. So without much further ado let's get on with the show. Welcome back everyone. It was fantastic last week having Jen Unwin on the show and we were talking about how you can look for the symptoms of addiction in your life and those around you and I'm really pleased that on this series uh, we're doing on addiction. Jen has come back to now go into a bit more detail uh, about how is it how does it work this stuff addiction how does it work with regards to food addiction so welcome back to the show Jen Unwin it's great to have you here thanks Dan I, re- I really enjoyed our chat before and it, it just brings up so many things doesn't it that, that we remember in our own lives when we go through that that those sort of criteria um, but the, yeah the, so the question for us this week is how how on earth can food that's what people say. How on earth can food be addictive? We have to eat, don't we? Yeah, we yeah. have to eat. Okay, so there's a there's a number of sort of broader issues, and then we'll talk particularly about the the brain biochemistry, if you like. So, yes, yes, we have to eat, don't we? And we have to survive. We touched on this last time. Um, that when we when we eat certain things like that are very they have a very sweet taste or they're very sugary that does release certain um neurotransmitters in the brain particularly dopamine and dopamine is the neurotransmitter that's very involved in habit and very involved in addiction so any other addiction you know is is going to involve the sort of dopamine uh, systems in the brain and again this makes complete sense doesn't it because we had to be motivated. So dopamine is to do with motivation. We had to be motivated to go out and find, you know, the the berries and the honey, if we could find it, we'd get a sort of massive boost and we'd feel a bit sort of invincible and we'd, we'd remember where it was. And, you know, so in evolutionary terms, it makes complete sense that we're wired to eat those things. So we survived through the winter. So when they were available, uh, we we found them. We remember where they were from last year. We were really motivated to go and get them. We ate them. We were delighted to have them again. Um, but of course, winter winter never comes. Number one and number two, it's not just a little bit of honey that's four miles away. It's you know a, a rack of uh, cream eggs. <laughs> Those are a bit seasonal. <laughs> Those are a bit seasonal actually. But it's a rack of Kit Kats, isn't it? As you go to the garage, yeah. as you go, it, it's. I mean, it's just everywhere. We don't even have to try, and our brains kind of light up when when we see that when we see that stuff um, because we think we think you know it's to do with survival. It's a very primitive part of our brain. Um, so there is this sort of evolutionary benefit. So there is a, for us. For some of us, and we mentioned this again last time, this genetic component. And often when I talk to people with this issue, they have people in the family that also had this sort of food addiction type tendencies 
or, or potentially had a problem with alcohol. Uh, quite often when we talk to women with food addiction, they, they recognise that their dads had a, you know, may have had a problem with, with alcohol or, or other addictions. So there's probably a genetic component. There's also on the psychological side, obviously, the kind of family and the cultural side of things. You know, how was food used? Was it used as a, as a kind of reward? Was it used as a, as a comfort, as a love thing? You know, when you got out of school, yeah. you were allowed a treaty lollipop or, you know, um, if you banged your knee, you got a cookie out of the cookie jar. It's kind of soothing. So you get these kind of really strong habitual links with certain situations or feelings that then you know when we're in that state again we 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 get those cravings oh we were talking to someone that was fascinating and she'd been at boarding school boarding school actually is is a breeding ground for for food addiction partly because of the is kind it really? of really oh. yeah the kind of foods that people get fed are very carby sweet um you know kind of mash yeah. and pie and things like that and also you know if kids have gone very young they're vulnerable emotionally and they'll be using that they use that uh food as a, as a comfort and uh right. someone in one of our groups was saying um you know when it gets to 11 o'clock which was always the time that they got some kind of sweet treats at boarding school she has a she has a craving for something sweet you know it's kind of wow wired Isn't into the interesting? head isn't yeah. it interesting? And until that becomes a sort of conscious, oh, God, I'm noticing that now. I wonder where that comes from. Oh, I know where that comes from now. Until we sort of do do that work, we can just be driven and pulled to re to repeat these behaviours. Yeah, I did, so by the way, get into a habit like that before. So when I used to be a teacher, um, this is before I knew anything about low carb. I used to go to um, the, the little break station where I used to set up for, uh, the break time for the school. It was about like 11, 15 or something. And so mm -hmm. I started going and getting a pastry and it became one off. And then the next day I fancied it again. By about day three and four, I was hungry five minutes before that time because I was telling myself and my body was getting used to, oh, here we go. We always eat that pastry at this time. And then it's a case of I need it. I have to have it. And it's it's just became a cycle. So in the end, I thought I'm going to have to stop this because it's just yeah. really, really bad to go and eat a piece of pizza every single 11, 15 or whatever, especially if someone like with my insulin resistance. Um, but it was hard. And I think, yeah, if you're a kid and you get into that routine, that must have a much more long lasting impact on you. That's such a perfect example, Dan. And it's because actually we become, uh, we're so easily trained as human beings, aren't we? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, those of you with dogs will know how easily they're trained around food. I mean, they're very kind of food orientated as well. And what you get is, yeah, that habit effect that actually just the thought and looking at your watch and thinking it's nearly 11 o'clock and the thought, oh, I'm going to have that cake, that gets the whole dopamine thing going. And once dopamine's going, that's what's driving cravings that we talked about last week. So, um, you know, that compulsion that that you're feeling, like you say, it's almost impossible not, not to go, isn't it? And it really takes yeah. a big effort to say, right, you know, engage frontal lobes, having cake every day is really bad for me for whatever reason you're putting on weight or you feel rubbish or you know your blood pressure is going up I'm going to need to stop now I'm going to need some strategies and I'm going to be super determined and I'm starting on Monday kind of thing so you're completely right that's a great great example so we've talked about dopamine there um, but there's other things going on as well in in the brain and um, I mentioned last week the little book that I wrote Fork in the Road again this is explained a little bit more in in the book and i again i, I love a little a acronym 
so this week's one is dose, right? And dose, dose. stands okay. for dose. stands for dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. So we'll right. We'll so this like a hormonal cocktail that we're having. I like it's, it. It's, it's, it's a cocktail that that um, you know when we eat sugars and carbohydrates gets gets released in the brain and your people will perhaps recognize that all of those things are the the the, the feel good neurotransmitters one way or another we'll explain a little bit more about each one um but so what we're doing as people with sugar addiction problems is that we're dosing ourselves up literally dosing ourselves to get those feel good neurotransmitters from the sugar because they get released when we have the sugar and when we come to episode 4 we'll be talking about how else, apart from the food, because you need, we all need these things, how else can we get our dose? Uh, because yeah. there's lots of evidence-based ways of, of doing that, probably that most people are already aware of, but um, we can we can definitely do more. And that's a big part of our uh, sustained sort of recovery as, as food addicts. We need to not just cut out the foods, but we need to, you know, give our brains the stuff that it's looking for in, in other ways okay so dose so dopamine we've talked about it's the motivation neurotransmitter it's the habit transmitter and it and it's involved in in addiction because it gives us these cravings to do certain things the primitive brain thinks it's helping you to survive by sending you to the 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 donut counter at eleven o'clock. You know when they put them out. You know they're going, you know they're coming out. I don't know what's yeah. happened. The lady's going to put the plate out or something. And you know I love I'd the way my there. brain's saying you're going to die if you don't get that donut. And I'm going yeah okay. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just being led along. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, survival and, guys, we've got to do it. We've got to do you, it. <laughs> you and I would have absolutely known. We'd been looking at our watches. We'd know that the the lady in the blue apron came out with the plate at 11 o'clock, sometimes a little bit earlier. And we'd probably been first in the queue. We'd been kind of uh, hanging that's around. That's a shocking thing. I, okay, I'm embarrassed to admit this now, but because I was a teacher in the school and I'd be on a free period before that, that, that break, of course, I could be there before all the kids not queuing. I mean, that's embarrassing, isn't it, really? Um, no, quick, get, before the kids turn up, go and get my, like, you know, addictive foods. Oh, it's shocking. But that but is then, true. Yeah, you're right. Then, you're such a fantastic example, and it really illustrates all all, all these points. And that, how do you know yeah, you so well? It's really embarrassing. Just, it's <laughs> me too. It's me too, Dan. <laughs> we're we're in the same club. Kindred spirits uh, in this addiction stuff. Yeah, yeah I agree. That would okay. be me. I mean, I'm I'm even a bit like that now with my with my good for, you know my good low carb you know. Uh, meals yeah. you know I, I i know when i want it i i tend to do all the cooking so i'm in control of it i know when i want it you know yeah. i uh i don't like people to be late <laughs> anyway we'll go into that but uh so so dopamine yeah and this is uh gives gives us the cravings and so on and we said last time so what happens is you get this big boost of, of dopamine from these unnatural foods these franken foods like donuts they're not we, we didn't evolve eating donuts. There, yeah. there wasn't any. There was a bit of honey, and there were tiny fruits. Honey was the biggest boost. And we very seasonal got. as well, right? Very, I mean, very you, seasonal. yeah, very seasonal, yeah. very occasional. So we got these massive boosts in dopamine, and as I've explained, that drove us to be able to find more of it and feel invincible and pursue it and so on. Um, right, so we we get that the brain doesn't really like 
it's like the whole body. You know, we know about homeostasis and balance. It's a bit like insulin. We don't want too much of it. We don't want too much blood sugar. The body's always trying to rebalance itself and get its salts right. And it should, it doesn't, the brain doesn't want this massive amount of, uh, of dopamine over a long period. So what does it do but knock out a few dopamine receptors so that, oh. so that even though there's a lot of dopamine in, in the brain, it's not sending signals, if you like. It's, it, it has the power taken away from it because the brain's knocked out a few dopamine receptors. And what does that explain? That explains why we need more and more to get the same effect. So where we're chasing the dopamine high, we need more because the brain's actually dampened down your receptors. So you're not you're not receiving those messages. Um, wow. And yeah. Wow. And obviously that's um, and that's the same in any addiction. And obviously that's not a great idea because we need dopamine to be at a good level for motivation, for um, you know, feeling, feeling, mot- feeling motivated to do things in life. So it explains two things, actually, that we were talking about last week. One is that um, you need more and more to get the same effect. So that tolerance effect. And yeah. the other is that um, other activities come to be neglected because we're chasing the dopamine high from the sugar. And we forget about all the other ways of getting it, if you like. So we're digging ourselves into a hole. And um, we'll talk about serotonin in a minute, but serotonin's the other happy hormone, isn't it? And it's basically the same thing that happens with serotonin, that you're actually depleting the availability, the actual availability of serotonin. And I think people know that serotonin's the main chemical in antidepressant drugs. It's the thing we think we need to try and boost when people are depressed. And it's absolutely the case that people on high sugar diets are more depressed. Wow. So <laughs> can I just say then, so it's almost okay. like, and, and I, I'm just going to, I might have misunderstood you. So I just want to just clarify. Is it almost like a bit like insulin resistance that these other hormones, the body has more of a resistance to them after a while because the body, well, I mean, and I'd like to know from a survival point of view why how that works. But but is that the first, is that premise correct that the body has almost like a resistance to those things because it gets rid of its receptors, so it can't feel those things as much because it's too much for it. Is that right? Yes, in the brain. Yes, the the neuro- my mind is blown. My yeah, God. blown. Yeah. So it's, it's almost. Fast, why does that do that? Do you think? What what do you think the reason for the body to do that is? Is it because it it's like um, look, we're getting too much dopamine. This is getting unhealthy. We're getting too confident, too happy. We need to be a bit more sensible. <laughs> What's going yeah. on, I wonder? Is that, yes. And I do, do we even know the answer to that? It's a fantastic question. Do we even know the answer? Is there something to do? Potent- I'm only chucking it out there, but we know this sort of uh, people have problems with, with cyclical moods, don't we? Sort of, um, you know, um, bipolar type folks who can go too yeah. high and, and then too low and whether... You know, there's and in fact, there's there's some evidence that that keto diets can 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 help with that actually can help with these, you know, shifting, shifting moods, if you like. Uh, sugar's just very bad for the brain, isn't it? Let's all just agree. That. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I don't I suppose, yeah. Know, know the answer to your question. So that so that's D. And then O is wow. oxytocin. Oxytocin is the lovely My favorite hormone. I love this oxytocin. hormone because you know what? Having like, you know, when you go through um, like when my wife was pregnant and you think about oxytocin a lot. And also I'm very aware of it in me now. Whenever I read a story to my kids at night, it's all 
cuddly under blankets. I get such a like that feeling of just oh, I could just sleep and relax, and and it's just lovely, isn't it? A feeling to have, yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, and um, pets, you know, stroking your cat or your dog or. Yeah, giving your partner a whatever it is, the closeness hormone. Yeah, as you say, it's involved in pregnancy and breastfeeding, um, and it's yeah, it's a lovely, it's a lovely, lovely feeling. Uh, also, gets released when we eat sugar and carbohydrates, and also when we stretch the stomach lining. So you know right. that when you've had oh, a big okay. meal, big meal, and you have the comforty, sleepy feeling. Yeah. From- from that um and it's too old jen <laughs> why, some of us, why some of us have uh, another thing which isn't uh, absolutely understood yet but is definitely a, a thing for a lot of us which is this volume addiction so that even when right. we eat in keto and low carb we we still overeat because we love that super stuffed stretch yeah. feeling of the stomach that gives you this serotonin uh um oxytocin i beg your pardon so yeah so dopamine oxytocin's involved serotonin i've already mentioned it's a similar thing so um there's another interesting thing here that you'll understand so we've mentioned insulin so when we have sugar and carbohydrate our insulin goes up because we're trying to clear the the blood of the blood sugar because it's damaging we, we don't yeah, want that high yeah. blood sugar so insulin up to get the blood sugar down. There's an interesting thing that goes on when insulin is high, and that's the tryptophan, which is an amino acid. So you digest protein into amino acids. There's a particular amino acid called tryptophan, which is the precursor, it's getting a bit technical now, it's the, <laughs> it's the precursor to uh, serotonin. So you can't make serotonin right. without tryptophan. And under normal circumstances, the flow of tryptophan into the brain is a kind of steady. It's competing with other amino acids to get in. It's it's a kind of, you know, slow burn. When we have high insulin, tryptophan um, gets much more easily into the brain. I don't know the exact mechanism, but it, it, it does. So and then tryptophan gets converted into serotonin. So high insulin, okay. higher serotonin temporarily but then of course you get that that rebalance effect where you need more and more to get the same uh, effect and and uh, that that all becomes uh, depleted so that's uh, you know what so- though i don't know i don't know what's going to come in the last part of the e yet but i'm just kind of feeling like we're we're kind of set up to fail a little bit here biologically aren't we so what you've said so far is having a nice full stomach with lots of food in it having lots of sugar and having to have more and more and more of it more of it to get that feeling again plus uh, a high insulin release all leads to happy feelings. I mean, that's a that's I can see from an evolutionary point of view why that's so essential. But as as an individual, that feels like oh my word, th- the odds they are really are stacked there. against me here, aren't they? Yes, they are. And that's why it's not our fault, isn't it? Because the odds yeah. are really stacked against us in the world that we live in, which is this crazy moment in time after millions of years of evolution. We're in this yeah. kind of crazy food environment. I think so much craziness has been normalised. You know, so much, yes, so much. I totally so much, agree with that. Yeah. So much. And also the shape of people as well has become normalized too. So people's body shape, people's behavior has become the norm. So that it's yeah. now abnormal to lose the weight. It's now abnormal to um, think you could do something about diabetes, which is not medicine. And it's also seen as abnormal to like fast or just, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah to live sugar free is actually seen as, as a little bit, oh gosh, radical. Yeah. Yeah. Radical. Yeah. Um, 
oh, should we go on to, we'll go on to E then. Because we've yes, done so to E, yes. Serotonin's definitely the happiness one. And as I say, it's the one involved with the antidepressants. And we, we, we definitely want that in our lives. Uh, we just don't want to get it in this way. Uh, e is endorphins, which you will have heard of. So these yep. are the kind of um, sort of uh, natural painkillers and the sort of... Um, that that sort of in that invincible elation sort of feeling people talk about runners high don't they that's endorphins yeah. when they you know they're kind of running along they feel like they could kind of uh you know rule the world so you is also um we get endorphins when we i mean generally actually because again it's a survival mechanism that we need to get pleasure from eating and that's fine that's fine we just don't want these yeah. those kind of kind of massive levels and so we need to get endorphins in our life and again we'll come back to all of these in episode four how to get your dose your dopamine your oxytocin your serotonin your endorphins in different ways so your brain's happy and you're not having to turn to food which is our natural tendency um to get those things so so we will uh, be coming back uh, to that well that's great can i just say though that is really exciting for me because i feel like um you get told these foods uh, or these this behavior, you just can't do it anymore. And the alternative is desolation. You know, I'm being a bit dramatic, but I think I kind of feel that way. Like, so here we have happiness, yeah. but it's got a massive price tag associated with your health and everything. So the alternative is misery. Great. You know, that's sustainable forever. But I think it's really important. We just said there that actually these hormones are natural to feel and they're a natural part of who you are. They're actually part of you, aren't they? So, you can still have the release in a much healthier way, in a way that's actually going to be sustaining and life-giving and mm. not be feeding the addiction, which actually just makes these things harder to feel. Because I've heard this time and again. People say they give up the sugar and they give up, for instance, Netta Gorman talks about this, and I love what she says. She used to like treat herself like a, a child by rewarding herself with chocolate, and that was her that was her treat to herself. And then she realized, hang on a minute, I can actually go for a walk and or spend time with my family or do something else, which would actually give her the same feeling. And maybe yes. she's actually more sensitive to it now. So it's even stronger and not have to put it through a substance like chocolate. And I think when you when people can make those changes, that's a real positive story of hope, how it doesn't have to be desolation. It can actually be a much more wonderful, fulfilling life that you're living. I think it's so hard for people on on at the beginning and on this side of the wall, if you like, yeah, because that's what they see. They see desolation on the other side of the wall. But actually, those of us who've who've got over the wall can sort of look back over and say it's actually really good over here because you've yeah. lost yeah. things that we talked about last time: the cravings, the always needing more, the being obsessed with it, the not wanting to get involved in other activities, the fact you know yourself, you're doing yourself harm, and you kind of shamed and all of that you're you're liberated from and i think until you've until you've you know taken these steps and got to that place uh, you know when we first talk to people about it's an addiction you know what are you what are your drug fruits and and how are you going to live without them it, you get this t it's horrible thought we're, we're attached to it we feel yeah and 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 there's a kind of kind of deny we go through those stages of grief don't we you know yeah, deny yeah. that's not me i'm not a food addict i don't need to do that i can i can cope i can manage and only keep eat a couple of biscuits at any one time probably not let's be honest with yeah, ourselves I, I think that's yeah. exactly it you're right denial and, um... and then um 
what's the next one? You know, anger. No, you know, it's not, I'm never giving up. My How dare you take away my fun? Yeah. How dare you take away <laughs> my fun? And then, and then a kind of bargaining. Well, I'll, I'll do it, but I'm not giving up my dark chocolate or my peanut butter or whatever. You know, yeah. I'm going to bargain about what I can keep and what I can't. And then there's this kind of acceptance and, and moving on. Finally, usually when we've had a few slips, trips and falls, I always like to say, how do we learn by, how do we learn to ride a bike by falling off, don't we? So, yeah, you know, all of us have our, you know, even many years into recovery have have our slips, trips and falls and we have to learn from them. And that's another thing we'll talk about in the last episode is, uh, you know, how, how do we what what should be our attitude to lapses and, and relapses and how we learn from them uh, to move forward. So. Yeah, fantastic. So just to let all the listeners know that there are another two episodes coming up, plus we have a live conversation. So um, this is a bit of housekeeping quickly. If you'd like to ask Jen a question about what you've heard in today's episode or maybe the other episodes in this series about addiction, then we have a live show on the 10th of May. That'll be a Zoom or like a, you know, a streamed event online. But you're more than welcome to come and join us. And if you do want to find out more about that, just go to the Facebook group UK Low Carb. Um, or if you probably just email me, dan at uklowcarb.com. Uh, if you just email me, you want the link sent back, I'll happily do that for you if you're not on Facebook, because I know not everybody is. But if you are on Facebook, I'll just put the link in there and you can just join on the conversation. And we have a conference coming up, don't we, Jen? So um, with the conference that's coming up, um, what's the date for the conference again? May the 20th in Bristol. May the 20th in Bristol. Um, there are tickets that are on sale at the moment for people to go, but I've actually purchased from Jen five tickets and I'm going to give these out to listeners. So um, I know that sometimes the conferences, you know, you, you might be able to go for financial reasons or time reasons, but if it is financial, I've got you covered there. So all you need to do is get yourself to Bristol for the 20th of May. And the way you can win one of those tickets is very simple. If you just like to leave a review for this show, UK Low Carb on Apple Podcasts or maybe Spotify, I know Apple Podcasts certainly, take a screenshot, email it to me, and I'll send it back to you. And I'll literally do the first five. You could even, this is how uh, like kind I'm being here, you could even leave a bad review if you really want to. I don't mind. Just leave a review, and then I will send you the ticket uh, in the post, and then you can go, well, it's a digital one, I imagine. So you can then attend that um, completely paid for by me. Okay. So um, thank you so much, Jen, for today's episode. Just a little sneak peek then, what we talk about next week. Oh, next week, we're, oh, it's all about the food, our favourite topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Story of our life, that. Okay, so all about the food next week. Fantastic. Until then, everyone, have a lovely week, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye, Jen, and bye.